You're listening to a DM podcast. Welcome to The Five of My Life with me, Nigel Marsh. As an author, adman and theologian, I've always been interested in people's stories. Not just those with a high profile, but people from all walks of life, regardless of fame. Which is why I created this show. Each guest who takes The Five of My Life challenge chooses a favourite film, book, song, place and possession. They tell me their choices in advance so I can research them, but they don't tell me why they've chosen them. That's the subject of our conversation. It's amazing what you can learn when discussing someone's five choices. I hope you enjoy listening to the show as much as I enjoy making it. Alison Myrams is an inspirational trailblazer at the very top of corporate Australia. CEO of Tier 1 construction company Robertsco, Alison's courageous leadership took on the norms of an entire industry, provoking headlines such as the AFR's, This Woman is Ready to Blow Up the Building Industry. Her policies and stewardship have transformed the lives of thousands of families. So, Alison... Welcome to Five of My Life. Thank you so much. It's very kind of you to have me. Now, you are one of the elite group who is a sixer, which is what we call people who have been uh, nominated by others, uh, other guests on Five of My Life. Oh, wow. So a gentleman called Stuart. Yes. Uh, uh, the referee. Yes. Uh, recommended that I have you on Five of My Life. Uh, how do you know Stuart? I met Stuart when I was at Lynn Lease, uh, and he was working for a um, plant and equipment supplier. Uh, and we really clicked. And Stuart's had a really interesting career. Obviously, he was an ARU referee. But then he he did a lot of work in the safety space. And so talking to him about safety on construction sites, we found a really, um, a really good place to be, to talk. It was a safe place. Um, and he had really good insights into how to make construction sites safer, safer from the hearts and minds perspective not from a process perspective yeah he's a lovely fella and i like him all the more because he recommended you oh, so bless <laughs> now we're going to start with the film which we uh, always do on five of my life uh, and you have chosen uh, a film that one of my other guests emil sherman the oscar-winning uh, film producer said was the best version of itself which i think is a lovely uh, expression it's top gun maverick yes explain yourself So when I was in Year 7 at school, I was tasked to write my 25 ambitions in life. And I kept it. And I'm very grateful that I kept it. And every now and then I go back and look at it. And one of my dreams was to fly in an FA-18. And then Top Gun Maverick came out. and Well, Top Gun came out and I watched that one. And then we watched Top Gun Maverick with the whole family, with my nine-year-old son who thought it was amazing. Uh, So... First of all, it was on the top 25 of my life. And then I've also been very fortunate in my construction career to work on uh, aircraft bases. So we worked on Williamtown years ago. And the noise of an FA-18 is incredible. And when they get their wings, the pilots get their wings, they do a low flyover over the site, over the base. And the noise going through the construction site, it, this, the shed rattles and it goes through your whole body. It, it's such a powerful sound and it's, it's, it's almost an addictive sound. Um, so I just loved it. And, and have you fulfilled that ambition? Have you? No, no. no. <laughs> my my, my yeah. wife's dad was a low-level uh, reconnaissance 
uh, fighter pilot basically yeah. so that, 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 that's, that, that's what he is but it, it want, makes me want to ask uh, what were you like as a child so so you're writing down your your, your uh, ambitions it seemed pretty organized um, were, were, yeah. were you uh, precocious or uh, disorganized what, what type of uh, little girl were you I'm very organized but I was a procrastinator I, I procrastinated doing things if it was schoolwork I procrastinated if I if I loved it I did it I did a lot of sewing when I was younger I loved sewing um, and when I look back on my list, I've achieved about 10 of the 25 things. I, I'm not sure why I wrote I wanted to fly to the moon. I don't think <laughs> I'll ever achieve that one. Uh, but you know, things like having a really happy marriage, being successful in my career, being an engineer like my dad, um, ticked all those off, being a mum. Uh, I'm not sure. I wrote I wanted to go to Scandinavia. I'm not sure why. It's not ever been something that I've wanted to go to, but clearly in year seven I did. So it's it's a it's a good list, and and wow, and and, and you haven't changed it. You you, you it, it's sort of still fit for purpose. Uh, yeah, yeah. And every few years, I, I do go back and read it, and I tick things off. Uh, so I've still got to go hot air ballooning and parachuting. I haven't done that yet. Hmm. Do you want to do a tandem one or a solo one? Yeah, I don't think I want to do either right now. Right. So <laughs> I, I, I did a, a solo one. Oh wow! Which and and you know you know drunk mates on a stag weekend you know half an hour training yeah you, you know jumping off an orange crate and then you go up in a plane um and it's a laugh right i mean it's a solo one with, yes. with a fixed line it's, yes. it's a laugh until you get the ground rush oh. so so with a hangover you're whistling looking at you, you know i did it in wales you're looking at the welsh countryside you know whistling away going isn't this fun i can see my house yeah uh, and then suddenly the ground rushes up and smacks you in the face yeah right yeah I've done bungee jumping, uh, but I've got a much higher appreciation of risk these days being a mum. So, Where well, did you bungee? New Zealand, AJ Hackett. Okay, right. I, I, I did the gator jump in Florida, where you jump off a crane. Oh, wow. And there's a, uh, it's like a kid's paddling pool full of alligators. Oh, no. <laughs> and oh. You, you almost get to their snapping mouths, and then you... And then you <laughs> bounce back up oh, into no. the sky oh no i couldn't it's, do that <laughs> I, I needed a better list when i was young <laughs> um who, who inspires you uh look i think in my career in my life my dad was a massive influence in my life uh and certainly set my sister and i off on a very good path you know taught us that girls could do anything um didn't put any barriers in the way for us and Dad had a really great phrase. He said, if you don't know what to do, try something, try anything. If it doesn't work, try something else. Just never stop trying. And that's been very good for me in my life. So I'd have to say Dad's been a really big influence. And, and what, was his, what was his profession? Or? Dad was a fitter and turner by trade, and then he became a marine engineer. So Dad was always in ships. He was always tinkering. Everything was a come in handy. When he died, we had one and a half tonnes of steel under the house, and the guys who removed it said to me, why have you got so much steel? I said, well, that might come in handy. <laughs> we had lathes and um, you know, he was always working with metal. Uh, very, very practical person, but very, very interested in life. Always asked a question, always reading, researching. I think he studied about 16 TAFE courses. Wow. Growing up, I thought that's what dads did. Every Tuesday and Thursday, he went to TAFE and he just kept learning his whole life. Just naturally curious. Very curious person. 
And, and it was it was uh, ju- I say just it, it it was just you and Jennifer growing yeah, up. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, with yeah. Um, you know, so there was mum and dad, and then Jennifer and I. And how do you get on with your sister? Is that um, sibling bliss, or are you at each other's throats? No, no, we're very similar. You know, we um, my sister is a civil engineer. Ah, okay. Uh, so when dad died, mum said, in many respects, John got two sons and she got two daughters. Oh. Uh, so we're very practical people. Right. Moving one year earlier than Top Gun Maverick, we're coming to your book on Five of My Life. Gosh, I, I'm quite conflicted because I found it a little bit triggering. You've chosen uh, Yamiko Kadota, I hope I've not mangled her names, a book, Emotional Female. Mm. Um, and, and I uh, spent the last 15 years travelling around the world giving speeches about the themes within this book but I had mm. not come across this book so could you describe it briefly and uh, tell us why you've chosen it yeah this is a story about a young Japanese doctor who trained in the Australian medical system and it's really her it's a biography it's her story about the toxic culture that existed in the medical system and how she or all doctors are overworked but also how she had to fit in as a female operating in a largely man's world uh, and and eventually her a complete and utter breakdown um, so it was it was a book that was lent to me by a friend uh, one of the girls in our office Erica reads books and and we swap uh, and she gave it to me and I normally read murder mysteries and when I picked this one up I couldn't put it down I was every time I turned the page I was like yep 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 you know, so many similarities to what I experienced. My, my dear friend Fleur Thomas sent me uh, a video of you talking at a master builder's uh, occasion, a mm. luncheon or a conference, mm. uh, because her daughter uh, holds you as her, you know, inspiration. Oh wow! Uh, and um, the work that you do and have done in the construction industry in breaking down a toxic, glorifying, overwork, male-dominated uh, industry should be shouted from the rooftops. And you are mm. too modest. I cannot believe I asked you to talk about your book. And you didn't mention that. So I'm going to make you. Uh, so tell us about, I mean, because I hadn't heard, if it wasn't for Stu, I mm. hadn't heard of you. Mm. And then mm. when I'm researching, I go, why haven't I heard of you? We're <laughs> brothers from another mother. I, I, you're, you're fantastic. So Project 5 and Flea by 3, yeah. you need to put your natural humility aside for a second yes. and uh, tell us about... Uh, your work in changing an entire industry. Oh, thank you. Uh, So I grew up in construction, been in construction my whole career. And when I started in the industry, I I started working for a contractor when I was 21. I knew no different. And my husband used to um, say to me, why do you work so hard? And I used to say to him, why don't you work hard? And, And I honestly believed I had it right. Because I went into this culture at such a young age and it was work hard, play harder was the culture. And um, a couple of things happened. Uh, you know, obviously, I was a female in a very male-dominated industry. The female participation rate of the construction industry is 12.5%. It is the same number it was 35 years ago. It has not changed. It's gone up and down minor, but it's still 12.5%, which is appalling. So I have um, really 
had a in some respects a hard time um, but once you crack them and you get accepted then you're very accepted and and they treat you like a sister and they're very caring of you so growing up in construction was hard in 2008 uh, I, I I almost got to the point where um, Yamiko did in the book my best friend went to Dubai for a job interview and he looked the wrong way crossing the road to run across the road to pay his his son's school fees he was moving there for work and he was hit by a car and um he wasn't he was hurt but not not tragically but the fracture in his neck swelled and he became brain dead and ultimately he died on life support and at that it was 2008 and at that point in time I said to Paul I I can never get those years back with Ian he was my best friend why have I worked so hard for my life? He was in the industry. I could say to him, I can't see you. I've got a deal. I'm doing this tender. And he'd say to me, yep, 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 go and win it, get it. Uh, and and he allowed my work culture to um, take over our private time, our, our personal um, time. And suddenly I had that realisation of what have I done? And I can never get it back. If I could cut my right arm off to have him, I would. Um, but I can't. And so... I said to my husband, I'm done, I'm out, I'm going to leave. And I only didn't leave because I didn't know where to go. I'd been a builder my whole life. And so five years ago, I was given a blank sheet of paper uh, from Andrew Roberts, whose father founded Multiplex, one of the largest contractors in Australia. And he said to me, create a new construction company, but create the best one you can. Now, if you look at the industry, we have a very high suicide rate, we have a very high divorce rate, and we suffer from presenteeism. If you ask a builder how you are, 99 times out of 100, they'll say, I'm busy. I say to them, I'm great, family's well, my son's well, life's good, can't complain. And they really don't know what to say to you because presenteeism and and busy is worn as a badge of honour. So we said, let's do it properly. Let's increase the diversity. To increase diversity, you've got to change culture. And to increase diversity, I've got to take Saturdays away because we're a six-day-a-week industry for no good reason. So we said, let's, when we were tendering Concord Hospital for health infrastructure, we said to them, you of all clients, can't allow someone to die from suicide when we are building a hospital to make people better. And to their absolute credit, they said yes. So we built it five days a week. We engaged Dr Natalie Galea from the University of New South Wales to study it. Uh, It was very, very successful. And after two and a half years, we studied 345 workers. We studied 16 next of kin. It's the only survey to study next of kin. And the feedback was 75.4% of the workers said I'd prefer to work five days a week. They had better health and wellbeing, they saw their kids, they played sport themselves, all things they couldn't do normally. But what was the real kicker for me was the feedback from the next of kin was that the six-day working week perpetuates a gender stereotype that dad is the breadwinner and mum is a carer because all the caring falls to the partners and they are largely all women. And so we are stopping women from working in society, any industry. We're the third largest industry in the country. That's not okay. So we said we've got to, we've got to change. We now only put a five-day program into our clients. It is no extra time and it is no extra cost because we've got increased productivity. We've got happier workers. They loved coming to site. There was less aggression on site. We've got better quality. We've got better safety. And... Some contractors are really struggling with the concept and the industry is so stuck in that's the way we've always done it. And they're saying, but I don't want to tell my people they can only work five days, they might want to work six and have Wednesday off. 
but my guys and girls work five and they have Wednesday afternoon off to take the kids to school because we've got the flea by three program. And that sounds really silly, right? Flea by three. But what it is, is one day a week saying you have to leave at three o'clock. It's on a wall and, and people call you out. I went to the site one day and my project manager met me and I was reading the schedule while I was waiting for him. And I said, hey, it's your day to leave. Why are you meeting me? And he said, oh, well, you put the meeting in. And I said to the whole team, right, he leaves tomorrow at three o'clock. You've heard it. You hold him to account. So it's just trying to make it normal. Don't sneak out the back door. Leave loudly. Be proud of it. And we recognise when you have left, not when you stayed. Um, But it's a whole industry that needs to shift and the struggle is real to change it. So the thing that needs to be made really clear is the firm is very, very successful. Yes, and, and so you're, you're, you're far too modest here. So, so what you've done is it, it's heroic, is you are taking on an industry yes. and you get lots of blowback and criticism. I, I imagine, yes. you know, dollops of it are based in hardwired misogyny, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Is you come into an industry where it's work, 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 glorify overwork, six days a week, blah, blah, blah. And you mm. go, no we're going to do five days Mm. and you go yeah well she's a stupid woman and the firm will fail the firm is doing fantastically concord hospital as far as i know hasn't fallen down and and your workforce (laughs) are very happy they've got happier marriages and lower suicide rates you should be carried shoulder high down the bloody street oh bless i just think it's it's fantastic so your competitors still do six day weeks some of them do yes some are starting to change in a world where unilever is moving to four-day weeks Correct. it's almost face palm uh, i yeah. mean really yeah you know yeah. really yeah. the fact that it's remarkable that you're getting a five-day week when that should be totally standard it yeah. make, melts my brain can, can i read you a quote yes. from the book that you chose Please. Um, uh, and, and the lady in it as you said was a, was a doctor was a surgeon uh, but she says this is right towards the end this was part of the problem for women in surgery the lack of visible role models. We all have different values, priorities and goals in life, so this notion of using someone better and more successful than myself as a cookie cutter was flawed. What does success mean anyway? I realised that we had to become our own role models and lead a life that we find worth living, and that's something only you yourself can do. Would you mind chatting a bit about role models, in in particular for women? Look, I think it's really important that there aren't many role models of, for women in building in senior roles. And sometimes people have said to me, why do you do it? What made you do it? And I think, if I didn't do it, who was going to do it? Because for 35 years it hasn't changed. And the time for talk is over. We need big, broad, systemic change to really shift the needle. It's not, um, I employed some cadets and they're females. This is systemic change. And so there are not many women in a senior position for younger people to look up to. So if I get a request on LinkedIn, if I get an email from a young woman saying, can I please meet you? I always say yes. And I say yes to my personal time's detriment, but it's really important because I'm no more important than anyone else. If you put me in Woolies, I'm just Alice and I'm a mum and I'm a wife. Uh, And... I get a lot of feedback from people that say, I can't believe you replied. I'm like, why would I not reply? I am no more important than anyone else in this world. Uh, If you ask my son, he'll definitely say that. (laughs) Um, So I think it's really important to be a role model for people and to role model the the behaviours you want to be and you want people 
to demonstrate I was not always that person you know I was that ass that said at five o'clock have you put your leave for me and that was the culture I grew up in and it was only when I went to the second organization I worked at where I got a life and I got a career and I I needed to go there to see there was a better way uh, and then starting again with a blank sheet of paper it's our ability to do it how we think it needs to be done we're not perfect but to your point the company is very successful five years in we've got 282 employees we've got a workbook of one and a half billion dollars but what I've also got is the support of our banks of our bonders and of our underwriters who are saying to me we really love what you're doing and we are getting financially rewarded for how we're behaving so not only is it a nice to have it actually makes really good business sense as well which is what you read in all the McKinsey surveys and and those sort of surveys that when you've got diversity when you've got really good risk management procedures your company makes more money it's wonderful listening to you Alison so uh, I have a story I have to be very careful because this is a real life person but I've got twin daughters they went to a school and and you know we're all trying the best with what we've got and I and I admire your honesty in the fact that you weren't uh, always this Mm. enlightened person the school that I paid a fortune for my girls to go to had temporarily a headmistress who was famous for being in the press on, on purpose, uh, breastfeeding her second uh, daughter eight hours after she had given birth to her at her desk back at work. Oh, no. Oh, no. And this isn't, wasn't a joke. It wasn't for a bet. It wasn't for a photo op. This was to show the girls that you can have it all. You go, uh, so I am lying in a darkened room moaning softly thinking what on earth I mean, mm. so the, obviously a well-intentioned lady trying to bring up girls to be successful in the world, but, but going about it in an entirely wrong-headed way mm. what the world needs is people like yourself I humbly suggest who are incredibly successful at the very very top so it's not like work-life balances for losers who you mm. on the mummy mm. track no 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 mm. she runs a huge firm that's doing incredibly well in a very competitive marketplace and she's knocking the lights out kicking goals from halfway and she's a human being <laughs> with a life with a you know yeah, yeah and i'm not saying that husbands and children are the answer but she has a life she has mm. friends she has family mm. so i am your biggest fan oh, thank you so now, much now we are moving many years back in history to 1978 to uh, a song from Queen's jazz album that has been listened to over 600 million times on Spotify, double the times that any Rolling Stones or U2 song has been listened to. It is an anthem that, that wasn't actually that successful when it was released, but it's built over time. It's Don't Stop Me Now. I think it really leads on from the last conversation when we talk about uh, trying to change an industry and the bullying and sometimes the vitriol I have to listen to. And and when Queen's song Don't Stop Me Now comes on, it really gives me the adrenaline that I need to keep going, to keep bashing my head against a brick wall, to think you can't stop me and I will change it and I will keep running until I make it a better industry for everyone. So about determination. Now, now this sometimes uh it's it's better not to look at a sausage factory because you go oh my goodness i I like eating the snags but i don't like 
what I've just seen is I wish I hadn't uh, researched this song because because yes. you know it's a good foot tapping sing along in the shower type song but it's actually about uh, when Freddie Mercury was at the height of his fame mm. and he was having he was having the best time one could ever have in his life so he was taking lots and lots and lots of drugs mm. and he was sleeping with lots and lots and lots of men men that he that he didn't know mm. and he was having an absolute blast so if you if you reread the lyrics uh, um, it, it's like what does he say I'm a rocket ship on my way to Mars on a collision course I'm a satellite I'm out of control so it's it's a hedonistic disaster he is just out you know up his nose in the bathhouse off we go and Brian May interviewed about that song it's one of the most successful songs absolutely hates it because it, it's such a pure song in terms of you know yeehaw can't wait to finish you know because I'm out tonight and off we go mm. seeing his friend and bad mate basically it's a long suicide note I mean mm. Freddie doesn't know it because he thinks this is fantastic so that song wonderful but now I know the dark side of it and it has to make me ask you are very successful in lots of conventional ways did you have lost years wild youth when you were a smack addict in Paris for two years no no, no never straighty 180 never even tried a drug of any sort no and and it's really i actually did google the song last night in preparation uh, and went oh that's not great <laughs> uh and but it's really the don't stop me now yes yeah i i was on a construction site years ago and got into the builder's lift and when we build the lifts in the building during construction we would line them internally with plywood and inside it there's always graffiti and the graffiti is very entertaining so you always read it as you're traveling and there was in the graffiti it said who's got bigger balls than Alison and, <laughs> and I went home and I told dad and I said to him dad I've, I've made it I've been accepted um, and so it's really that don't stop me now I'm, I'm just getting started I will change this industry and I will make a difference to people's lives and your son is Matthew? Yes. Uh, and is, is he, is it, that the, is it the, the cobbler's son is always ill-shod or whatever they say? Is he unbelievably lazy and gives up very, very quickly? Or no. has he taken on mum's, uh, mum's attributes? No, he's taken on mum and dad's attributes. And, and he, he does actually have his own hard hat. He was given one recently. He cried. He said, oh, mummy, I never thought I'd get a hard hat. No. He wants to work at Robert's when he grows up. <laughs> he says, I, I want to work with you, mummy. And I, I keep thinking, by the time you're working Buddy, I'll be retired. But yeah, no, he's 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 the joy of my life. Oh, fantastic! Um, so the fourth choice on Five My Life is always the place, and um, the last uh, guest that we had chose in the middle of a sentence. Uh, Lane Beachley chose uh, the ocean. So mm. so I, I love the different ways people uh, respond to this, uh, and you have chosen a golf course, not the golf course, but just a golf course any bloody golf course so tell us about that <laughs> so i love playing golf my eye to hand coordination you might say is lower than my son's uh probably lower than my son's when he was two uh so ball sports and me don't go together and when i met my grandparents were always golfers my mum grew up playing golf but she never taught us and when i met my husband he used to go off for four or five hours playing golf and I was like, well, why can't I come? And of course, knowing my eye-to-hand coordination, he was a little bit apprehensive about that concept. And 
eventually he took me to the driving range and it wasn't too bad because if you swing back and forward in the same plane, you will hit the ball every single time. You don't actually need any eye-to-hand coordination. And he was working at Lend-Lease at the time and years ago when the government had the training guarantee scheme in, every employee got $1,500 a year to spend on training that did not relate to work. And so I got golf lessons. It was fantastic. The government subbed you golf lessons. <laughs> Absolutely. Love it. Love this country. It was fabulous. And so I was taught right from the start. And when Paul took me out on our first game, he, we live in Cremorne, and he took me out to Tree Valley, all the way out at Camden. So we were as far away from any of his mates. No one would, would recognise him. Uh, but it turned out I could actually play golf, and I could play golf well. And we had a year, one year as you do for your New Year's Eve resolution we and this was pre-Matthew we said right we're going to spend a year getting as good as we can and so we decided we'd practice twice a week we'd play once a week and we'd have a lesson every three weeks for a year and see what we could do and my handicap from January to April did nothing and then from April to December it went from 17 to 8.6 wow and we're playing on New Year's Day at Camden Lakeside and a beautiful course and we were both three over the stick standing on the 18th and Paul always said, the day you beat me off the stick is the day I retire. And I started to actually be able to beat him. He plays off four and he said, right, well, I'm going to have to swallow my pride because I can't stop playing golf. And it was 15 years of our life then. The first week of our honeymoon was playing golf. All of his mates are like, my God, where did you find her? You get to play honey- golf on your honeymoon. <laughs> uh, and every week we played golf. And, and when you work in an industry that is as hard as construction, to be outside for five hours a day on the weekend in the fresh air walking, it, it's so good for your soul. And I just love it. So a single figure handicap, that's a good round of golf. It is, yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, the, actually, a, a bizarre coincidence, the, the lady who sent me your video of your yes, speech, yes. that's that just astonishing speech, uh, her daughter is the 78th best female golfer in the world. Wow. Uh, but but if you are the female 78th best golfer in the world, that means you're, you're, you're not making much money no you know no. if you're the male mm. 78th you're a multi-millionaire mm. so is it you know i mean we'll work it out eventually but the yep. gender <laughs> gender disparity it's everywhere it's not just construction it's bloody golf okay um we're moving on to my favorite choice on five my life yes um now i'm a bit worried about this okay <laughs> so i'm going to put you on the spot because I, I usually introduce this by saying and it's fabulous because people don't choose my ferrari or my rolex they choose you know a piece of thread from my baby's you know blanket yeah. or whatever yeah. but you've chosen something that on the surface could be slightly uh, consumerist, but you're, maybe you're about to surprise me. Uh, it's Dad's Water Ski Boat. Yes. Tell me about that. So this was the hardest choice for me. This one took me weeks to work out. Uh, my sister and I were born in June and July, so that by the time summer came around, we were old enough to be taken up the river and it wouldn't interrupt Dad's skiing season. <laughs> so Dad was a mad water skier. Mum disliked it immensely. Uh, Dad gave her a wetsuit for her wedding present, which... I think she has the patience of a saint. Uh, So we spent every Saturday water skiing. And even when I was 32, I still spent every Saturday with my dad up the river. We skied at Dargle on the Hawkesbury. We'd leave home at 7.30 in the morning. We'd get home at 10 o'clock at night, totally and utterly exhausted. And it's that fantastic 
muscle fatigue feeling that you have in the next day you know you couldn't quite straighten your arms because your muscles were so tired uh, and it was my time with dad and there are not many things you can do as a family through your whole life we, we, we snow ski with my son now my son plays golf with us so we've got family sports and Dad still skied until he was 80. My first interview at Multiplex, I said to them, I'll work any hours of the day and night, Monday to Friday. I won't work Saturdays. I water ski with my family. I failed that interview. <laughs> uh, I went to the next one and I thought, well, I just won't tell them I won't work Saturdays. I'll get the job and I'll deal with that later. And that's what I did because our life revolved around water skiing. And when Dad died, Matt was four months old when Dad died. And for the first few years, the boat was at Mum's. We, we kept the family home and eventually we sold it. And I couldn't sell the boat when we moved mum. And I've got it in storage and I pay for it to be in storage. I haven't turned it on for nine years, but it's dad. And I'm so attached to it, I, I can't get rid of it. And it's completely irrational from a very sensible, logical point of view. I don't use it, but it's my dad. And it's my closest connection I have to my dad. I, I totally, totally get that. My dear old mum who's, who's left us now, but... Uh, we had, you know, those Citroen two uh, CVs. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it was passed down through the family. I mean, so it, it it had an engine that was, I mean, underpowered for a lawnmower. I think it yeah. was six hundred cc. Wow. Or, you, you wow. Know, nothing. And, and those ones with with, with the, the cotton roof that you yep. could take down the lights. Yep. So, so this thing is basically a lawnmower, mm. and the Marsh family have driven it for twenty years. So it's it's held together by elastic bands, and it gets mm. passed down. So eventually, I get you know given it i can now use it yes. and, and, and it i have to push it to start and all that so it's it's a piece of crap yes. right so it finally can't work mm. and you can't sell it because who would want it mm. and mum because it had all those family memories yeah. you know on bricks yeah in the, can we get rid of the 2cv no you go well but, but why not it's a hunk of metal and you go yeah but it's got all those memories in it exactly, I, exactly. I, I'm, I'm so glad that that's the story i mean wow what a what a uh, outdoorsy family you are yeah we, we we've had a very good life yeah absolutely do you ever get sad sad in terms of losing people definitely you know I've I've I lost my childhood best friend in a car accident when I was 21 I then lost Ian when I was in my early 30s I lost dad um lost a great mate at work um lost a great crane driver in an accident um when he was working for another company uh I do have hard days at work definitely I have very good support network around me. I have an incredible husband who uh, is amazing, amazing support to me, to my career, and, and he's incredible at home. Uh, I can only do what I do because he does absolutely 50-50 of everything, and he's a brilliant dad. Um, there's no doubt that when you're trying to change an industry, it's hard work. But when I see the joy on people's faces and, and I see how happy they are, it's the adrenaline injection I need to keep going. And so I just make sure I've got really good people around me who are happy people who can set me on the path if I'm thinking, gosh, is that an issue? They set me straight and, and you know, give me a tummy rub and keep me going. Um, so, yes, I'm, I am a human being. I do have feelings. Uh, and there are hard days and there are amazing days. But when I see the difference we're making, it, it's all worth it. Three more questions for you. One, are you an optimist? Yeah, I think I am. 
Yeah, and I like to live in a state of change. Change doesn't scare me. I sort of think if you have a long enough perspective, mm. and I know everyone wants it done you know, today, which I agree with, but it won't be today, I sort of think we are going to sort it out. I think if you, if you come back in 100 years' time and look at the construction industry, because in part of you, it will be very, very, very different to the construction industry 30 years ago. No, absolutely, I agree with that. And and the what's the latest generation? Are they Gen Zs or something? Uh, they don't want to work as hard as we did when we were cadets. They will change it. So you can either wait 15 years for them to be in my chair or you can change it now and we can enjoy it. And that's where I've gone. Let's do it now so we can all enjoy it. The other thing is COVID was horrific in so many ways, but it was so good for the construction industry because it put us into the fastest and largest experiment on flexible working and it worked. Yeah, It was a resounding success. And you can't say to me anymore, you can't be part-time, you can't work remotely because we did when we had to. Yeah. So it's actually pushed us forward probably 10 or 15 years. Okay, I've got a choice of questions for my second question. Mm. So one, it can either be the one piece of advice that you would give uh, youngsters going into the workforce and, and into relationships, or what's the kindest thing that anyone's ever done for you? I think I'd have to go with the advice. And what is the advice? What I would say to people, and specifically to young girls, is don't say no. There are so many times I've heard women say, I was only offered that because I was a girl. And it might be true, but you say yes and you take it and you don't say no. Because I can tell you, when a guy gets offered a job because he's, a, he's good at sinking piss at the pub, he doesn't say I only took it because I know I'm at the pub and I've been drinking mates for years. They say yes. And in my career, when I was at Lend-Lease, the organisation was 32% female if you cut it straight through the middle. And the CEO at the time, to his credit, mandated for every event there had to be 32% female representation at all levels in the organisation. I got invited to everything. It was fantastic. <laughs> and my fellow GMs would say to me, you're only invited because you're a girl. And I'd say, yeah, maybe, but I'm there. I'm networking, I'm hearing the message firsthand, and you're not. And so own it. And a company will not put you in a position where you can destroy it through your inexperience. A company will always set you up to succeed. So it doesn't matter why you get offered something. You say yes, you grab it with both hands and you run as hard as you can. That, that is sensational advice. But also I think it might be one of the best quotes ever on Five My Life. They only get offered a job because they're good at sinking <laughs> piss in the pub. That is gold. <laughs> sinking piss in the pub but, but it's true I mean, lovely those people are if you're a fantastic rugby player or sports person yes. you get given a huge job in finance you go mate yes. he does he knows fuck all about yes. finance uh, but yet but guess what he'll he'll be given the right help and advice and he'll be fine yes no one goes that's that's yes. really unfair they go yes. oh we run the you know the, the grand final so that's why he's there yep absolutely i love exactly. it okay last question um so stuart nominated you which is why yes. i've got the privilege and honor of chatting to you uh who are you going to nominate that you would like to hear on five of my life next i would love to hear from cam smith the australian golfer that won the british open uh, i think the the british public probably didn't appreciate an aussie with a mullet uh, winning the Australian Open, but he's such he's such a laid-back guy. He's got a great style. He's not bothered by his success. He just seems so down-to-earth, and he's such a talented golfer. 
So I'd love to hear his story. Well, we will follow that up. Uh, Alison, thank you so much for sharing your stories on Five by Life. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you follow Five of My Life, you might enjoy my latest book, Smart, Stupid and 60. In it, I write about a number of the issues discussed on the show. It's the 20-year follow-on from my first book, Fat, Forty and Fired. If you have any feedback on the book or suggestions for the show, please get in touch via my website, nigelmarsh.com.